For the Athletic Podcast Network, this is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Alex Coffey, our A's beat writer, about when they plan to start spring training. Not the A's specifically, but whether or not the Cactus League will be getting going on February 27th as scheduled. Alex reported earlier this week that the letter written from the Cactus League to Major League Baseball asking them to potentially delay the start of spring training was encouraged by Major League Baseball. All stuff we can discuss, as well as A's free agency and Tommy LaStella to the Giants with Alex Coffey, who joins me next. It's Friday. January 29th. It's my pleasure to welcome in Alex Coffey. She's joined us before. She covers the A's for The Athletic, and she's also done a great job covering just baseball in general over this offseason. And Alex, she kind of had a scoop the other day, it sounded like, on the letter from the Cactus League to Major League Baseball. How are you? And uh, and can you give us an update on whether or not you know when spring training is going to start? That's a question I've been asked a bunch <laughs> the past couple days, and I do not have an update. It doesn't seem that like many people know exactly what's going on. I've been trying to, you know, talk to players, people that work for the team and try to get a sense of what we're dealing with here and getting a lot of confusion in return. So I think it's still kind of up in the air. But as far as what Major League Baseball is saying and what the Cactus League website reads, it's still set to start on February 27th. So that's the latest info that I have, but I guess we'll have to see. Let's go back a, a couple of steps here because, yeah, you're right. The schedule right now still says, hey, they're starting on time. And a couple of weeks ago, maybe it was 10 days ago now, Rob Manford came out and maybe kind of surprised everybody. I was certainly surprised by it when he said, yeah, plan for the 162. We're starting on time. Everything's going to be fine. But I was like, okay, well, <laughs> like, what are the details here? Are we getting to spring training on time? Are COVID rules fine? Do we have a designated hitter? Is there expanded playoffs? And then there have been a couple of votes back and forth. And then we hear earlier this week that there was a letter sent from from the Cactus League to Major League Baseball following a meeting between Major League Baseball and the Cactus League where they suggest a postponement in the start date of spring training. You sort of got into this a little bit and you found some evidence that maybe showed that baseball pushed for this letter. What can you tell us about the details behind this? Yeah, so basically what I found out was that the two parties met on January 13th, something that's acknowledged in the letter in the second paragraph, it says so. The letter doesn't really get into what was covered in the meeting necessarily. It kind of just says that they were talking about report date and, you know, the logistics, like leading up to spring training and kind of stuff that you would expect. But I had a few sources that had direct knowledge of the meeting that told me that Major League Baseball was encouraging this letter to be written, which I got the sense that a lot of people assumed was the case, but there was no proof of that. So that was basically what I was able to unearth. It's important to note that like, they could have liked the result of the letter without formally asking, hey, could you write a letter saying that it's not smart for us to play? Because from what we know, Major League Baseball was okay with saying we'd like to start a little bit later, start and play maybe, say, Memorial Day and play 140 games or 130 games. And the Players Association said, okay, that's fine, but we don't want a prorated salary. If you want to start late, we want our full salaries this year because we're ready to go. So is there evidence to suggest that they actually asked the letter to be written? Or is it just, yeah, maybe we're, we're benefiting from this because we'd be happy to start later than normal. I wouldn't say that they asked for it. I would say that among the people that I talked to that either knew people that were on the call or were on the call, it was made very clear that this is a position that would benefit Major League Baseball. And, you know, prior to that meeting on January 13th, there was no discussion of a letter and at least in these meetings that the Cactus League was having and there was no discussion of even a delay. So this kind of came up 
I don't want to say out of nowhere, because obviously COVID cases are rising in Maricopa County, but but it was definitely the tone of the meeting was different from previous ones. So I wouldn't say that they necessarily asked for it. I wasn't able to find proof of that, but definitely found proof of them encouraging it to be written. It's certainly inconsistent with the way they've done things because, you know, you figure the Phoenix Suns are playing games there indoors. You've got the Arizona Coyotes are playing games indoors. You've got the Sharks are playing indoors. So it's been a little inconsistent, I think. They had the 49ers out there at one point. So you're right. Certainly Major League Baseball would be happy with this. But also there's the financial element to this, which is, you know, I guess we don't know the long-term effects yet of the ramifications it's going to have on big league clubs. We're certainly seeing it in free agency, but we kind of saw this in free agency before we even hit COVID. I want to talk just briefly about the A's. It's it's the team that you cover, and they've had some transactions or lack thereof over the last couple weeks. Billy Bean was on with Tim Kawakami on the TK podcast, and they talked about Marcus Semien signing the $18 million deal with the Blue Jays and how the A's don't really have a ton of options in-house. Chad Pinder, I guess, could take over at shortstop a little bit, but he hasn't played a ton there. He had said that it's a little bit of a worry, maybe a little bit of a problem for the A's that they don't have an incumbent shortstop uh, to take over the reins. What can you tell us about the offer from Toronto relative to the sort of suggested offer from the A's to Marcus Simeon? You know, news came out, Ken Rosenthal reported on Wednesday night that the A's, I don't remember the exact details of the offer off the top of my head, but it was something along the lines of a one-year $12.5 million deal with $10 million deferred in 10 one-year installments of $1 million each. So <laughs> That's uh, laughable. <laughs> it's a little bit of an atypical proposal, <laughs> I would say. And then the Blue Jays offered him a one-year $18 million contract with them, which, you know, is right near what the qualifying offer would be. And the A's obviously didn't give that to Simeon, you know, earlier in the off season. So there's definitely frustration amongst the fan base, but in talking to some of the players about it, you know, he was a leader of their team and Bay Area native and someone that had expressed a desire to come back to Oakland. You know, it seemed like he was willing to work with them, but, you know, an offer like that, I don't think it would have gotten, you know, obviously it didn't get things done. So yeah, I would say morale is not great right now. <laughs> I think you're being uh, pretty diplomatic and, and nice when you say it's not a typical <laughs> offer. I think Marcus Simeon probably saw that and was like, hey man, what the what gives? I'm from this area. I want to be here. I want to play here. So he's also taking the job where now he's not even going to play shortstop, it doesn't sound like, up in Toronto. Yeah. It seemed like he definitely wanted to come back to the A's. And you even heard a similar thing with Hendricks, who signed with the White Sox for a four-year, $54 million deal. I think it was a couple weeks ago. And, you know, he said that the A's hadn't even come to him and he was another one that like expressed an interest in returning. Yeah, I think that there's definitely some frustration around that, especially when you look at how much the A's owner, John Fisher, is worth and you <laughs> look at how much Jerry Reinsdorf is worth and, you know, put those two figures up together. I think it's two point eight billion Fisher's net worth is per Forbes and then Reinsdorf is somewhere in the one point eight range, I believe. So you know, that's obviously an oversimplification, but on a face level, it can be frustrating for fans for sure. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Yeah, in looking at the A's salary demands this year, I think it's $16 million goes to Chris Davis, and this is going to be the final year of his contract. And I want to say the next highest paid player might be Mark Canna or Jake Diekman somewhere in the 5-6 to six range, and they're not going to be around for much longer. It's so sad and frustrating as an A's fan to watch this happen over and over again. And I understand letting the guys like Robbie Grossman go and saying, hey, we got a Seth Brown that may be able to play some left field, or saying, hey, if we, if we want to let Profar go, we've got a Sheldon Noisy we can try out, or we can bring in Tony Kemp. Like, 
that stuff makes sense. Those guys are on par, it seems like, with the players you're letting walk away. But Marcus Samian, who's right here in your backyard, who has literally taken a, a position change after finishing third in the MVP voting last year, two years ago, to move across the border to go play in Canada with the Blue Jays, like that's got to be devastating, especially when you know in the near future you're looking for – I mean, there's no way that they're going to keep Matt Chapman and Matt Olson. The A's have never given out a $100 million contract. I think Eric Chavez is still the richest contract ever given out by the Oakland A's. Yeah, he is. Yeah, no, I'm not super optimistic about them <laughs> keeping both of them. If I were to pick one, I'd probably say Olson over Chapman, just because we know that Chapman's a Boris client, and uh, <laughs> I don't think that the A's have to offer what Boris would be looking for. But yeah, I mean, I definitely think that when Simeon signs a deal like this and shows a willingness to just take a one-year deal, you know, somewhere else, one-year deal that was close to the qualifying offer, it definitely sends a signal to A's fans about what's going to happen in 2024 when Olsen and Chapman hit free agency. And I think that the overall vibe that I got from the fan base is just that this is something that's all too familiar. For my count right now, for the free agency this offseason, Mike Fires looks like he's not coming back. From what we can tell and, and from what Susan Slusser reported the other day, Robbie Grossman is out. We've seen, as you mentioned, Liam Hendricks sign with the White Sox. Uh, we just saw Tommy LaStella sign with the Giants. And we've seen Marcus Simeon go to the Blue Jays. Five free agents gone. They'll still be competitive, I think, this year with the young pitching they've got. But Tommy LaStella was a nice addition for them last year. Came over from the Angels. He looks like he's going to sign a, a three-year deal with the Giants. It could be worth the richest contract that Farhan Anxiety has signed anyone to to date since he's taken over as the president of baseball ops. What do you think of Tommy Listella? What kind of player are the Giants getting in return, you think? Well, he doesn't strike out, which is nice. <laughs> I was talking to the you know, our Angels beat writer about him. I remember when uh when the A's acquired him last year, Fabian Ardaya, and you know, he was one of those guys that you can kind of like slip under the radar because he might be in a market that not as many people pay attention to. A's fans are totally familiar with this phenomenon, but yeah, great plate discipline, really brings a lot offensively. Defensively is a little bit to be desired, but an all-around great offensive players. So, yeah, that's going to be tough to see him uh, on the other side of the bay, for sure. Alex, you do a great job with all your coverage. I follow your A stuff, but I love all the other stuff you do. I know last year you wrote that great Dave Stewart and, uh, and Sandy Koufax piece. Uh, <laughs> I love following you. This was great reporting on the, the Cactus League stuff. So we'll keep following you, and uh, we'll definitely catch up with you whenever spring training gets going. Thanks again, Alex. Thanks so much. Have a good one. Always great A's coverage and great baseball discussion with Alex Coffey. Make sure you give her a follow and keep reading her stuff. In the Athletic, all off-season long, she's done some great features. As I mentioned, her Sandy Koufax and Dave Stewart piece from last season were fantastic as well. Thank you to Alex. Thank you to Brian. Thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is that you're listening to us. I promise you we'll be getting into the NFL and some Super Bowl coverage. We will still do that next week, but on Monday, we'll do a little bit of a dive into San Francisco Giants baseball. There's been some discussion that they're interested in left-handed hitter and platoon outfielder Jock Peterson, who grew up right here in the Bay Area. It would be a huge jump from the Dodger blue to the San Francisco black and orange. So it's all stuff we can talk about on Monday with Grant Brisby. Then we'll dive into some of the fun stuff with the prop bets and the Super Bowl with Cousin Sal. We'll wrap it up next week with Las Vegas Raiders wide receiver Henry Ruggs, who's going to join us on the show next Friday. Enjoy the weekend. Grant Brisby joins me Monday. We'll talk to you then.